Hi everyone, what's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. This is MIT podcast. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformation. I'm Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary thing in their life, how their mindset shift to help them achieve it. We discuss their story of success and the mindset that drive them into achieving the impossible. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Hi everyone, good evening. What's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. Welcome to our Mindset into Transformation podcast. I am Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary thing in their life. We discuss their story of success and the mindset drive them into achieving the impossible. Today, I'm excited to welcome uh, the Dane uh, Harbor Kids. Oh, sorry, you probably should correct Habercast. me. Habercast, it's close. Um, Habercast, yeah. Dan Habercast, join us. Uh, Dan is um, is is a seasoned real estate investor, um, and we're going to get into the conversation with him to learn the the great thing he has done. How are you, Dan? I'm great, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. How about yourself? Pretty good. I, I, I'm really glad you joined. Uh, you certainly have an impressive um, resume on real estate investing. Um, before we dive into it, um, do do you have um, some thought or uh, what kind of the thing that you would want our audience to know about you? Ah, uh, gosh. Well, just so they know who's uh, who they're listening to. I uh, I started managing rentals actually when I was 16. Uh, at that time, I had a job in high school where I managed a farm. And then the owner of that farm would travel, uh, go to Aruba for a good portion of the year, and I'd manage his rental properties as well. So that was that was my first experience in real estate investing. Uh, worked that job through high school, through college, uh, ran a landscaping company while going to school full time. Uh, and that was a lot all at once. I was working 45, 50 hours a week while going to school full time. And uh, that was frustrating because that's definitely not what most of my friends and peers were doing. But uh, it was clear to me uh, towards the end of college, hey, I've developed a skill set that not many people have at this age. So how do I take that and apply that going forward so I don't have to work my life away like everyone else in my family has has done? So I started reading about equities and, and different businesses I could get into and, and things I could invest in. And like just about everyone else, it was rich dad, poor dad. That was kind of the light bulb moment, right? I read that and I thought, Real estate it is. So I bought a duplex while I was still in college. I was 21. Um, first house hack. Moved across the country to Colorado. Was initially from Ohio. Bought another house hack. And at that point, I had two properties. And I realized, hey, if I want to expand my rental portfolio, I need to figure out how to make a substantial income. So long story short, I ended up starting a land and development business. So out here in Colorado, I have Front Range Land, which is the active business, buying and selling lots building on some of them. And I do that both here and then in Florida. And then that feeds the passive investing, which is just the acquisition of more properties. So I'm 26, which is fairly young, but I did start doing this pretty young with those experiences in high school. So I feel like I've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, if, if, you're, if you're at the age of 26, I mean, whatever you have described is impressive. Um, so did 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 your family do real estate or like like what bring you into real estate you know initially why why are why are you like other people just go party and have fun no so we didn't have much money uh very 
not poor, but lower middle class family. And uh, all my parents ever did was work. And so, you know, it started in high school. If I wanted a phone or a car, I had to go get a job and pay for it. So that's why I started working uh, in high school. And like I, I kind of alluded to earlier, by the time I was, you know, in my junior year of college, I had been running other people's businesses for years. And I thought, okay, well, I don't want to do this forever. So I took the experience and the the skills I had developed doing that and, and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad simultaneously, which gave me a direction towards real estate and applied it. Uh, so yeah, it was that book specifically, but more than anything, you know, I have older siblings. They all just got stuck in kind of dead end jobs and all my older cousins, I was kind of the young one. So I didn't want to go that, that same route. So that was the uh, motivating factor at the beginning of, of all this to go and, and find some other path. And again, originally I didn't know, was it going to be starting my own landscaping company or investing in stocks? I didn't know, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the book that pointed me in the direction of real estate. Cool. Cool. Um, so uh, you want to give, give us a quick touch on, you know, what portfolio currently look like and how do you tell, how you think you're going to be able to achieve what kind of a long-term goal that you're hoping to to get? Sure. So it's a it's a good question because my thinking on this has changed. I've I've set up my active business to be far more passive than it used to be, and I'm seeing, you know, I have a a new build closing here in a month or two, uh, and I'll have put maybe eight or nine hours, eight to ten hours into that. It'll make close to six figures, and so less and less am I concerned about accruing just a huge number of rental units that make little bits of money every month. And more and more am I interested in buying nice properties in nice areas that I can hold for the long term and will uh, I will be very happy that I bought, you know, in 10, 20 years. So the most recent house I bought was a, a very nice house in a nice neighborhood here in Colorado Springs. I'm going to move into the uh, upstairs and then the basement will be, uh, I'm putting a kitchenette in down there so it'll function in its own unit and rent that out. And then aside from that house, I have five other properties, two of which are rented by the room. Uh, so those houses function like fourplexes, um, five of which are in Colorado Springs. And then I still have a duplex in Ohio. Uh, so I rambled a little bit there, but my, my, my point in that is, you know, we hear people say, oh, I have X amount of units or whatever. And I, I don't want to go buy dozens or hundreds of, of crappy apartment units. That's not a asset I want to deal with. It would have to be in a scenario where, uh, it was, management was completely off my plate and the management of the property manager was also off my plate. I like nice properties in nice areas uh, that are worth a lot. I don't want to buy cheap houses or cheap apartments. Um, so that's where I'm at right now, kind of planning and deciding what I want to do do going forward here. Uh, and in the active business, expanding into Florida, looking to potentially get some builds going down there too. So I'll be down there in two weeks doing some due diligence, meeting with contractors, that sort of thing. But uh, I, I know that wasn't a very clear, hey, these are the goals and this is what I'm working towards, but that's because I'm, I'm kind of in transition. There's been a lot of change in the last year uh, as far as my thinking and what I'm trying to accomplish in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're 26. A lot of things can still change, right? I mean, for sure. Um, uh, and and uh, as, as we, you know, walk down the uh, journey, you know, a lot of experience, uh, you know, new challenges will change our thoughts, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Can I, can I talk through one of those that something that happened this year? Please, please. Okay. Please. So part of the reason, uh, you know, six months ago or, you know, end of last year, I could have given you pretty decent KPIs on the land business. However, in January, the primary market I was in here in Colorado with no warning, no, nobody had a clue this was coming. 
it shut down all new building permits because they were getting low on water rights. And again, no, nobody had a clue this was going to happen. And wow. so I had six lots I had already bought and then three more under contract to buy. Four of the ones I had bought were under contract to sell and everything froze. So that was a lot of money I was expecting to get back both in principal and profit that suddenly didn't happen. I was I was planning to have a couple more builds going on several of those lots. So just a complete shutdown out of nowhere. And so that's what caused me to quickly pivot into Florida. And that's also part of the reason why uh, I don't have as clear of goals as I would have had you know, six months ago before that happened. So I've gotten the business going in Florida. We had three lots closed to sell last week. So things are going well there. Uh, but that was a big kick in the teeth I was not expecting. And yeah, uh, sure. yeah, so uh, that that's you know, just a good example. When we're talking on podcasts, it's so easy for number one, us to sound a lot smarter in hindsight than we are. And number two, for it to sound easy. Well, in a 30 minute podcast, sure. When we're just talking, you know, through the high level, it sounds very, very simple, but there are bumps in the road every day. And if there's one thing I can promise you, things are going to go wrong. You're going to have problems. You're going to get kicked in the teeth. You know, last year I had a tenant get arrested in the middle of a bit or not a tenant. I'm sorry. The contractor that was doing a big rehab for me get arrested with the whole front yard excavated and the water and sewer line half replaced. So you're going to have problems all the time uh, in this or really any business. But being able to calmly handle them and solve them is really what sets us apart from from everyone else and why we make more money as business owners. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, entrepreneur is kind of trained to you know mm-hmm. handle things one by one and you know peacefully yeah well i mean it's not peacefully you know at every moment but you know eventually we'll be able to get through sure it, sure right? <clears throat> yeah i you know that I, I i probably have already mentioned that your your story really impressed me because you know starting from young young age you started to handle like real estate mm-hmm. i mean real estate comparing with others are you know you know much bigger money mm-hmm. and uh, kind of curious on why and how you get into the mindset that, you know, you kind of overcome the fear of, of handling those, uh, you mm-hmm. know, challenges and, and decided to jump right into it and, and you know, to, uh, come into yeah, it. Yeah. So, okay. There's a lot of thoughts I have in response to that. So I'll try and answer it in an organized, coherent fashion. Uh-huh. So I do tend to be more of the personality type that will jump off the cliff and build a parachute on the way down, so to speak. So, you know, I'm not one to have analysis paralysis. I'm more one to uh, jump into things too quickly. Uh, so, and and part of that too is just my own, I always keep my own financial situation very cautious and conservative. So when I was in college and I bought that first property, it was easy to jump in because I paid for college outright because I worked full time while going to school. And so I think I had a $200 a month car note, but other than that, uh, I didn't have a bunch of debt. I didn't have a bunch of student loans. Uh, and I was just always cautious in my own finances. So it's easier to go out and invest and to take risk if you are responsible day to day in your uh, personal finances. And then, you know, number two, I will say there has been fear uh, along the lines of scaling into bigger and bigger projects, especially in the land business, right? So you know, I've done, I think, 80 some land deals at this point, And I started with very small lots where I would buy them for, you know, anywhere from 200 to a thousand bucks and sell them for, you know, a couple thousand to eight or 10 grand. Right. And and that was far less intimidating. But 
you know, it's, it's really just a matter of incremental progression, right? You start there and then you slowly increase a slightly more expensive lot sold, sold for, you know, was buying a year ago at 10 and selling at 25 to 30, right? Uh, so incremental progression, I think, makes it easier to, over the course of, you know, years, get into bigger deals. So this week, I have mailers and cold calls going out to a market in Florida where you're looking at, you know, adding another zero to that equation where your your buy price is closer to 100 grand and sell is in a couple hundred grand if you do Ten it times. right. So I I, you know, there was a lot there, but I think to pull, to summarize, I would say it's easier to take risks in business when your own financial house is in order. And number two, if you work slowly up to the bigger deals, then it's not as scary because it's just a moderate incremental progression over time. Right, right, right. I mean, especially when you start young, Mm -hmm. you got more tolerance to, you know, take on the, the fears and also overcome you know, those uh, stress, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, I guess this is actually a very good point for us to, you know, jump right into a question that we always um, ask for a beginner, for someone who just um, thinking about real estate or for someone who just happened to listen to this podcast, um, why they should get into real estate, how they should get into it, and what would you say their mindset need to be prepared or what other preparation you recommend them to have before jumping into Okay. Well, the first question, why, that's that that's for you to figure out, right? There's got to be a why or why are you doing it? Uh, for me, I you know kind of went through that with, with the rest of my family having been stuck in debt and jobs their whole life, not having any sort of freedom over their time or, or really what they do every day. Uh, that was a, a strong why for me. Uh, so whatever that might be for you, you need to figure out what it is, whether you have family or, you know, whatever that might be, uh, you have to figure out your own why that's not for me to answer, uh, how I would say the absolute easiest way to get started is with house hacking. Uh, I always think of it as, you know, training wheels for real estate investing, because, you know, if you buy a fourplex and you're living in one unit, renting out the others, your tenants are right there. It's a lot harder for them to get away with anything. Uh, you can get in with right. the best loan terms, rates, and down payments, uh, and you got to live somewhere. So it does really uh, make sense to to start going the route of house hacking, like I did. You know, four right. of my properties I got via owner occupied loans, stayed for a year or two, moved on to the next one, and those have been excellent, excellent properties. Um, so that's yeah. the so go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so for for the beginner mm-hmm. uh, or for our audience here, house hacking basically means you buy one primary resident, um, you live in a part of it, and you uh, rent out the other either room or unit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that and and usually you will be able to secure the the best rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you as you're basically getting a mortgage as a primary resident, and even you know first time home buyer deal, it's even sweeter. Yeah. And I want to add to that. I'm glad. No, no, I'm glad you said that because anyone can do it. You know, I have a, a couple friends I know from the real estate group here in town that are in their 50s and they built out a unit in their basement. It's a completely separate unit and they rented out that even while they still had their kids living with them. So you can always, always do it. You can figure out a way. That's um, not a lot of legitimate excuses for that. So, uh, anyways, h- house hacking, in my opinion, is the the best way or the easiest way to get started uh, for the the newbie with not a lot of money. 
Um, and then your last question was, oh, oh, what sort of mindset, uh, mindset or what recommendation? Okay. So, you know, I think that goes back to what I said where things are going to go wrong. There are going to be hurdles. There's going to be things you didn't know. You can't know everything before you get started. Uh, something's always going to pop up. But if you take a long-term perspective and you're investing for the long term, then down the road, you're going to be very happy you did it. You're going to learn a lot. And real estate just gets better the longer you're in it. I think like with anything, uh, it just gets easier because you're used to the challenges that come up. You've solved them before and you know how to operate your properties better and it just gets easier and easier over time. So the hardest part is getting started. And if you understand that uh, and go into it with the expectation, hey, things are going to go wrong. It's going to be more beneficial down the road, right? It's not the first month in I'm making all this money. You take a long-term perspective. Uh, I think that's going to help you out a lot, having that sort of expectation. Right, exactly. And uh, right, if you treat it as a long-term journey, uh, every day you're dealing with different mm -hmm. problems. Every day you're learning different lessons, right? And as you solve those problems, you know more and you'll be you know, more prepared to handle much bigger problems down the road. And that's probably what mm -hmm. uh, Dan was referring to, right? Start with something easier, start with something smaller, mm -hmm. and uh, eventually you'll grow yourself into lifestyle, right? I mean, people who do business would know, right? Um, there's all kind of problems yeah. going on every day, um, whether you, yes. you deal with yes. it or you get dealt with, right? Yes. Good. So uh, one, one other thing that... Um, that I was really impressed about uh, what you're doing is that uh, you're also doing land development, right? Um, land mm -hmm. is certainly something uh, not not common uh, real estate investor would get into. Um, how did you decide to get into a land development? And also, uh, you know, because uh, you started with, you know, rental properties, how did you, you know, transit to a land? Yeah. So uh, to give everyone context, again, I'm in Colorado, right? And on the west side of the country, there are, it's far less built out, right? If you live in Boston, Massachusetts, or a lot of New England, or, you know, in Cleveland, the city's more built out, and there isn't as much land available. Um, so it's a little bit more, uh, well, just, just available out here. There's lots of subdivisions on the outskirts, all the major metros. So, uh, I think the context is important there, but, uh, yeah, it started, uh, when I moved here in 2018, like I was saying earlier, I bought the second rental and I realized, Hey, if I want to buy more, I need to figure out how to make a lot of money, right? You hear about all the low and no money down strategies when you're starting. And that's great for picking up a couple rentals, but, Owning property is a cash intensive venture. Things are going to go wrong. You need to have reserves. If you make a lot of money, this is a lot easier. So I wanted to start some sort of active business within the world of real estate. Wasn't sure what that was going to be. So I started going to the local real estate group here in town. I, I actually host it now. Uh, at the time, I did not. And I met a guy who has become a, a friend and mentor in really many ways, uh, who had been building houses and buying and selling land and subdividing lots. His really for the last 40 years all over the Western United States. And uh, he lived about an hour south of me, but uh, we became friends and I would drive down there every weekend and help him in his business and learn from him in return. And that was how I uh, got an intro into land and the building of houses. Exactly. You just uh, point out one uh, great, great hint for beginner, right? If you are ready, mm -hmm. you are determined, you're committed, 
the best way to help you succeed is to get a mentor, right? A mentor who has done、mm-hmm. it, who has been through it,、um, would also you know guide you along the way, right? Yeah, important point there, Benjamin. I wanted to make is.、Uh, I didn't go to him and say, "Hey, will you mentor me? Will you teach me everything you know after forty years of work for free?" No, he needed help、uh, with a couple aspects of his business. So I offered to help him, and then over time we became friends. I started to learn from him, but first I helped him with something he needed. I didn't go up to him and say, "Hey, teach me everything you know for free."、Uh, that is not a good way to approach it. You know, on the flip side, now one of the realtors who's actually just been. Excellent for me. This last year, she sold a bunch of my properties. She goes above and beyond. If I ask her a question and she doesn't know the answer, she goes and finds it. She asked me to help her out with some stuff regarding land, and of course, I was happy to help her. She's been a huge resource for me this last year.、Uh, so, if you, there's a subject matter expert that you want to learn from, figure out a way to help them first, and there will、uh, reciprocity will kick in, and they'll likely want to help you too. Great, great, great content. You know. Um, offerings your、um, your value or offerings what you can offer is always the best way to create、uh, your establish a relationship, and the relationship is required, you know, for some sort of mentorship, right? Because it's kind of unfair、mm-hmm. if you just ask someone to teach you everything,、uh, you know, consider they have been、yes. through everything, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, oh, and one one more thing: if you do give someone advice or get advice from someone, if they're willing to spend time for, with you, don't just take it and go home and do nothing. Go do it, and then report back to them. I've had a couple people who asked me for advice, and I gave them a lot of information, and most of them did nothing with it. But there was one in particular who went and ran with it, and of course, I'm happy to help him at any time because it just. Most people in our business like to see others succeed. You know, it's a I've always enjoyed about real estate that people within the real estate investment world tend to be pretty open and can't think of the right world word, but very happy to see others succeed and help help each other out. It's a very fun business. So yeah, when when、uh, people actually take advice and I see them go and run with it, I'm happy to help them more、uh, as opposed to giving them a bunch of advice and then they disappear, which I've also had happen. Then I really like you、uh, giving out. You know. Uh, your thought, you know, whatever thing that crossed your mind, because you know this is another great, great content, right? I mean, when when、uh, when you get some sort of advice from someone, right, if you act on it, this is this is going to encourage the the mentor or whomever is more experienced to offer you even、mm-hmm. more, right? Because they know that you're someone who would take action, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, Ninety percent of people, or if not more, right? They would just sit on the advice and just sit through their their life and not taking action.、Yep. So we really appreciate people who take action. So th- yes, this、agreed. is an- another great great point. So one other thing that I I thought to just、uh, ask you about is you also have in, has been involved in some buy sell notice. Do can you give us some some you know content about it? On on notes. Yeah, I'm not. Like, how does it work, and you know, why why you get into it? Yeah, comparing with you know, rental real estate land development. Sure. So another part of the story,、uh, the mentor I was telling you about, it was 
like drinking from a fire hose, learning from him because 40 years of experience, you know, he's telling me about apartments he built in China and subdivisions he did in Baltimore and all of this different stuff. And I got into building houses with him here locally, but I was a little overwhelmed trying to do too many different things at once and needed uh, to ground myself and focus a little bit more. So he and I were building some houses. And at that same time, another friend that I met at that same real estate group had built just a tremendous business buying and selling land on notes. And I had bought and sold a couple parcels at this point, uh, but I didn't have a clear system for it. Again, I was kind of floundering around trying to do too many different things at once. And he was putting out, just starting to put out a course about buying and selling land. And I had known him for years. I trusted him. So I was one of his first students. I bought the uh, the Landshark course, course from him. And uh, that's when I started implementing his systems and processes and really scaled the buying and selling of land, which also feeds the building, right? Because you just keep the best lots and build on them. And his whole model was on the buying and selling uh, uh, on notes. And so really simply, conceptually, Ben, Benjamin, sorry, I'll give you an example. I bought a lot last year at 13.5. I know there was some closing costs on it. So I want to say it was 14.7 or 8, just just under 15 all in. And the reason I got it at such a discount, we'll talk about what it was worth in a moment, was because it was on the tax lien list and the owner was going to lose the lot to uh, an investor because he had not paid his taxes in years. And so, hey, here's a guy that'll give me something for it, pay off the taxes. And instead of losing it for $0, I get a chunk of my capital back, right? So he sold it to me. I turned around and I sold it for $38,000. And the down payment from that buyer was $15,000 with the $23,000 being financed as a remainder. So all it is when we talk about selling on notes is the exact same thing the bank does. I'm acting as the bank. She pays me every month. And over the course of five years, she'll pay off that lot, right? So I have a note and a deed of trust against that property. So the property is now in her name, but if she tries and sell it, any title company that does the transaction is going to say, hey, here's this lien, and they're going to contact me and get the information on it and make sure that I'm paid out, right? Because I have a deed of trust against the property. So that's the selling. And and ideally with land, because you can buy it at such a discount fairly easily, uh, it's very feasible to get all or most of your capital out when you resell it. So that's just all profit coming in on those monthly payments. Plus you get interest on the profit. And on the flip side of that, I, uh, I bought a rental uh, where the owner financed it. And believe it or not, that lead came through Craigslist. Craigslist, he, he posted on there and uh, he was looking for someone with experience. And that was the biggest reason that I ended up getting that because he got you know dozens and dozens of people reaching out to him. And that property in particular was a very different type of distress. This was a very wealthy man. He just was older, had more money than he had time. It had gotten really run down from the last tenant and he did not want to deal with it. So he financed it at 3%, two years interest only, at which point it converts to a permanent 15-year 3% mortgage, $0 down, no money down. And he sold it to me at $250. Value was $340, $350 after repairs. Put $25-ish grand into it, and now that's a great rental, and it's interest only until uh, a couple year and a half from now. So uh, it cash flows quite a bit, and then at that point, it still will, just not as much. And uh, yeah, good chunk of equity. Even, and Even just, better deal than, than bank, right? Yeah. Oh, much better. Because wow. 
3% and then two years of interest only, that's awesome. And, and plus, we got it at a, a pretty substantial discount. So that's an example of me having purchased uh, seller financing as opposed to the lots I've sold on seller financing. Cool. I'm really interested in this deal that, that you have done. So like how did initially approach them, right? Like you said, there are a lot of people uh, like trying to put an offer. Like how did you end up getting it? And how did you handle things? How how, how did you let the um, the the seller know the, that you're experienced? Like, like in terms of, you know, handling the, the deals, what are you doing differently? So I showed him uh, houses I was building. Uh, you know, I showed him some of the rentals I had. I brought my brother over and he spent years working for a foundation company. And one of the biggest problems with this house was the foundation. And so seeing that I had resources to address that problem gave him confidence as well. And I think a lot of the people on Craigslist that were reaching out to him were probably people without money and without experience. And so, you know, I, I spent a good amount of time with him and it just gave him the confidence that it was a project I could handle and, uh, that, it wouldn't be an issue because for him being that he's financing it, what's most important to him is, is really he was betting, betting on my ability to repay and execute on what I said I right. would do. So yeah, those just showing him the the active business and the other rentals and talking through that. And uh, you know, the biggest thing, Benjamin, the more you do this as the years go by speaking with confidence just becomes easier and easier and people see that for sure. And so that, that helps as well. Yeah. Yeah, so then why 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 didn't he uh just you know get someone pay off completely and instead of you know doing the seller you know finance is it ter- tax purposes? Yeah, that was the biggest one. So he had lots of cash. He didn't want more cash. He wanted a note that he could you know give to his kids uh, more than anything because right. he had far more money than he he needed. So that was the biggest reason. And then he couldn't sell it traditionally in the state that it was in. Oh yeah, true. Because it's you know distract and th- and things like that. Yep, exactly. Cool, cool, cool. You know, there's just too many things I, I want to touch on with you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no worries. So you have started in in sixteen, uh, like you said. So now you're twenty six, right? Uh, you're now uh, have been in real estate for ten years. Um, I, I guess you, uh, that would consider you to been through a complete cycle from two thousand eight. Now, I don't think that that would be. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that because I didn't own my own real estate until 2018. Uh, so not not really, but uh, yeah, I, I've certainly observed. So what 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 are you uh, thinking right now in terms of you know the big environment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, fattest uh, raising rate, and uh, you know the the majority of uh, buyers are you know getting more stressful, you know, trying to put put their offering and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you see the, you know, general real estate market to, to go up or down or what, like, like what kind of status that, that, that you see we're in? So I'll speak on the niche that I'm in and how I'm approaching and thinking about this. So first and foremost, I want to be in mar. There's a huge migration going on right now. And I want to be in the markets that people are migrating to, right? So there's, two major trends. There's the baby boomers, like my parents, for example, that are still in Ohio, they're going to move down Southeast, right? So Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia, these areas are all blowing up, exploding. I think Florida is at the top of of those states. 
which is one of the many reasons that I'm doing business down there, because one of the most fundamental justifications for price increases is supply and demand. And there is a huge demand and there's a lack of supply. And along with that, many of those buyers specifically, we're still talking about the boomers, have cash. I was just talking to a realtor this morning down in Florida that's doing some listings for me. And that's what he emphasized to me. He's like, Dan, over and over and over again, buyers are just selling their more expensive house in New York or Boston or wherever they're coming from. They have five, six, seven or million in cash and they come down here and they buy a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar house for cash. And so those people are not affected by the interest rates. And along with that, I also build a product as far as the building goes, because that's probably the most risky thing I'm doing, right, is, is building houses, longest time of exposure. Uh, I'm building a product that not only appeals to that baby boomer, to the downsizing baby boomer, it also appeals to the first time millennial home buyer, which is the biggest demographic in the country right now. And again, right. that's not going to go away unless there's a, you know, some sort of black swan or a huge pandemic that kills a huge portion of the population. I, I build a 1500 square foot, three bed, two bath, two car garage ranch in both Florida and Colorado. Well, planning to do Florida. Haven't started that yet. That's on the list for this month. Uh, and again, so that appeals to the two largest demographics in the country, one of which has a lot of cash in markets where people are moving, Colorado and Florida. And so I feel I sleep well at night doing that. And in addition, uh, as far as the land goes, lately, just to be cautious, we've been selling more contracts, you know, assigning the contracts as opposed to closing on as many lots and just making sure we're getting deeply discounted deals. Uh, and then along with that, just keeping my own personal financial in, in order, my own personal financial house in order, keeping a lot of cash aside, not inflating my expenses and uh, keeping, yeah, lots of reserves. And uh, yeah. gosh, the last point I'll make is... is <sighs> You know, if you're in a growing market, if you look at the amount of money that was just created and introduced into the U.S. economy in the last two years, and then you look at the fundamental of just the severe lack of supply within real estate, I have a hard time seeing anything too bad happening. I definitely expect a slowdown. I definitely expect a lot of the lower end buyers to get squeezed out. But mm -hmm. everyone I know who owns businesses or has a decent amount of money or is above middle class is still buying and is just yeah. waiting for any drop in prices to go buy more. So right. I'm going to continue, but do so cautiously and more than anything, just control my, my personal financial situation because that's something I can control. Great, great, great. Um, one one other thing I do want to have a quick touch on is that um, since you're doing the uh, development, right, you're building up buildings, um, you know, buying land and things like that. Does the uh, recent labor, uh, like late labor costs and also material costs, or you know, uh, shortage um, cause any kind of issue to you? And how do you handle them? Yeah. So. At this point, you know, like the, the one of the houses, I, the one I was referencing earlier that will close here in the next month or two, the prices have gone up so much. It's really not an issue. I could cut the price a lot and still make a really solid profit. So that's balanced out because, again, I'm, I'm in areas where people are moving like crazy. And not only that, but they're, the way I look at it, I always look look at the major metros and look at the second or third level markets on the outskirts of it that people are getting pushed to. Uh, and I've done very well in those sorts of markets. Um, and so the prices in, for example, Pueblo, Colorado, Pueblo West specifically, where I've been building for years, 
were dramatically less than Colorado Springs and Denver up north. So it was still very affordable and prices had room to increase and still be affordable to that, you know, first time home buyer. So it hasn't been been that much of a problem because prices have gone up. Hmm. And uh, material shortage doesn't impact you much. Uh, it, it, it's taken longer to build for sure, but I'm also not, you know, what's the KB Homes trying to build thousands of houses. So that's a little different business. Uh, right. And I'm sure they're having trouble. Hmm. I see. Cool. Then I think I have touched on uh, most of the topic I'm most interested in. Um, we still have some time here, uh, and I do want to see uh, whether you have mm-hmm. specific topic that you want to, you know, get into. You know, especially con- considering our like audience, they're you know newer and they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out like what they should do next. Um, you want something uh, in- input for them? Yeah, I would say the the biggest problem I consistently see new people have is they you know they hear one week about wholesaling residential houses and then the next week they hear about mobile home parks and then storage units and guys you can you can make a lot of money in any of these niches you just got to pick one and stick with it uh that that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice i wish education what what did you say education right i mean pick one and focus on it learn about it yeah okay yes 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 pick something learn about it, but also find a way to get involved in that niche. Even if it's just, you know, if, if I was brand new today and I didn't know anything, I would say one of the best options would be to go work for somebody that is doing what I wanted to do. So if you decide you want, you know, a direct to seller wholesaling company, flipping contracts on single family houses, I would go try and work for a wholesaler in my market. Uh, so figure out what you're trying to accomplish, pick a strategy that aligns with it, and then not only educate yourself, but get involved in that strategy. It doesn't have to be you taking the risk or buying the properties or you know signing the contracts. You could be working for somebody doing it. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's a great way to get started, but pick something and, and stick with it. And then also understand there's uh, two very different things constantly get conflated on podcasts and in books. There's investing in rental properties, which can be mostly passive, and they're starting an active business. Are you trying to do both? one or the other, what, what, know what you're trying to do because my land business is a completely different thing than my investing. My investing is mostly active. Most months I don't do anything except collect the rent checks. Maybe you just want to work a job and invest. That's one thing on the side. Starting a wholesaling business or a land business or a podcast, that's a whole separate thing and that takes a, a lot more hours consistently over the long term and the hiring of employees and so on and so forth. So you know, don't conflate the two. Are you looking to invest or are you looking to start an active business within the world of real estate that helps you invest? Very good. Very good. I mean, this is a, 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 a the, the best advice I've heard, right? I mean, uh, for people who, who are just getting, getting started, right? Mm-hmm. Um, despite we're in the, uh, you know, uncertain uh, environment, right? I mean, there's always something that you can do, just figure out what you're trying to do and, and, and get involved, like what Dan said, right? Yeah. You said something there I really want to comment on. You said we're in an uncertain environment. Well, that's true. It's especially, you know, uncertain right now. There's a lot going on, but there's always a lot going on. I remember before I even bought my first property in 2017, listening to podcasts where the, I won't say which podcast, but they were certain that we were at the top of the market in 2017. 
They were absolutely certain. They were putting cash aside because a big crash was coming. And I remember when I was buying my first property then at the very beginning of 2018, I, I was nervous because obviously I was buying at the top of the market. But I thought, okay, I'm doing this for the very long term. I'm going to rent out the the units and I have cash. I'm cautious in my own finances. So I'll do it anyways. Thankfully, I did that because <laughs> nobody knows the future. And even if the market crashed tomorrow, the skills that I've developed in these last four years, what I've learned to do, the, the, the dollar per hour that I can generate has gone up exponentially. And if I was at zero tomorrow, who cares? Because I could go make far, far more in a far shorter time with what I know now. So getting the repetitions, the iterations in with whether it's buying rentals or flipping land or whatever it is you're trying to do is so important. And you should do it if you're clear on your why and you're actually motivated, you should do it now. Not, oh, I'm going to wait because you don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. Exactly, exactly. And right, the lesson that we're learning every day, that, yeah. that is something that the, the market won't be able to take away from you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you really gain those knowledge, you know, you know what to do, you know, you understand those know-how, you know, when the, when the market flip, you still get to, you know, restart and stand up. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Great, Dan. Uh, so uh, one one other question that we always ask our guests is: uh, Is there a book that you would reference or you would want to recommend to our audience um, that influenced you the most? Well, other than Rich Dad Poor Dad, I would say uh, read anything by uh, Howard Marks. I'm trying to think. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the book titles, but Howard Marks he puts out memos. And he has a couple books. He's in the world of equities. He, I think he's one of Warren Buffett's buddies, but he, or much of what he talks about is applicable to any type of investing. And he always approaches his, his, his memos, especially because those are, he sends out to all his investors. Uh, so they're very relevant to whatever's going on at that time. He always starts from the belief that, Hey, the future is unknowable. I don't know what's going to happen. So in an uncertain world, how do you think about it and how do you make decisions and, and still move forward every day without just freezing uh, because there's always uncertainty. And I think that's especially relevant today. So I would go read his memos and his books. Great. Uh, that's a unique pick, I have to say. And of course, Rich Shad Porter has been mentioned a lot of times. Yeah, right? I figured. So if you haven't read it, go read it, right? If you only read once, read the second time, right? Yeah. Um, that that kind of transform um, our you know mindset and, and how we... Uh, you know, think about our our financial future, right? So, lastly, uh, Dane, uh, what what uh, web is there a website or like how can people find you and how can people reach out to you? Sure. So, Dan Habercross on Facebook or Instagram, you'll see pictures of projects I'm doing, and then lots of pictures of the mountains and the beach. Uh, and then just danhabercross.com goes through a lot of the projects I'm working on and that sort of thing. Thank you, Dan. And I have to say, if you haven't been to Dan's website, you have to go. That looks pretty cool, right? I mean, see what he has done and, you know, the pictures, uh, you know, before and after renovation. Yeah. You know, that is pretty cool. You have to go check it out. We will include those information in the uh, note. If you're listening in the podcast, we'll also include those links down below. Uh, if you're uh, listening through uh, YouTube, Um and Stan, I want to thank you again for your time uh, joining today. I believe I get a lot of knowledge from you and I look forward to speak with you 
uh, soon. Thanks, Benjamin. Appreciate it.